0: Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Um, We're actually in a series right now, for those that do not know, called You Asked for It. Somebody say, You asked for it. And in this series, we're answering questions that you have submitted. Now, here's the question for this week. You ready? Go ahead and put it up on the screen. How do I parent my teenager? Pray for me, y'all. How many people know That's that's a big question? And frankly, something that many parents are struggling with today. And maybe you aren't a parent and you don't have kids of your own yet. This is still gonna be an important message for you to lean in and grab a hold of so that way you understand and you can reach this next generation. Quick disclaimer, I don't have any biological kids of my own yet. I'm taking it one step at a time. But over the past five years, I've had the joy of mentoring and pastoring So many youth that have come through this church and are here at this church, and I've seen different dynamics within families and different upbringings and talked to both parents and teenagers. And secondly, I have two of the finest parents in the world, Pastor Bobby and Pastor Don. (laughs) Here's why I'm speaking today. Over the past 10 years, Pastor Bobby has stood right here and preached phenomenal, life-changing messages from God's Word about leading your family and training up your children. In fact, you can view those online as well. But as we talked about this series, and we talked about this topic, as me and Pastor Bobby talking, he felt led to allow me to preach to you guys this morning, to share from a different perspective from someone who was a teenager a couple years ago. So what I want to do this morning, I want to share some insight from God's Word and help out whoever I can, and just share from my experiences as well. So you ready to receive this morning? I'm ready to preach to you guys. If you have your Bible, why don't you stand to your feet and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3-5. through 5, And welcome everybody that's watching online as well. Man, I'm so excited about this, y'all. So in this scripture right here, we find the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to a young minister by the name of Timothy. So we have the older generation talking to the next generation. And he says this, the Apostle Paul. I thank God whom, I'm serve as my, whom I serve as my ancestor did, ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. We call in your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith. Somebody say sincere faith. Which first lived in your grandmother, Lewis, and now lives in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you, also What's powerful about this scripture is how the Apostle Paul goes back Because he sees something Within Timothy as a young minister as the next generation that is special and he sees the faith that he carries and he goes back To his grandmother and then he mentions his mother and then he mentions Timothy parents the greatest legacy that you could ever leave behind for your family is a legacy of loving Jesus Christ Not a nice car, not a nice house, not a big bank account, a legacy of loving Jesus. How do I parent my teenager? Can we pray together this morning? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for today. We pray that you would just speak, you would move. God, I know I feel your presence so strong in here this morning. Thank you, God, for everything that you've done so far, God. We open our hearts to receive from you. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Anybody in here have any hobbies? Um, Maybe golfing? Maybe fishing, maybe drawing, whatever it may be. Um, well, for me and my family, what we did last year is we began going on bike rides. And it started off as a hobby, but now for my dad, uh, it's turned into a lifestyle. In fact, he bikes an average of 100 miles a week, y'all. And he's preparing for a triathlon right now. I'm telling Kim come on, can we put our hands together? All I'm saying is when we get to our next church facility, God's blessed us with property, and as we continue to raise funds for our next building, we're going to have a new pastor as well. I'm telling you what. (laughs) But whenever we first started bike riding, I went with my dad um, the first time, and I won't forget, we went down this road, and I was able to keep up with him, and not only keep up with him, but I was able to surpass him pretty far. Uh, So much so to, when I looked back, I didn't even see him anymore. And he was hyping. i like, man, Caleb, you're good. I was like, I guess I, I don't know. It was just like, I was able to just surpass him by far. And that was at the beginning. Then months went by and he was consistent with biking and working out. But if I'm being honest, I wasn't. And he invited me to go with him again. And this time I knew things were serious because he was at a whole nother level, y'all. Been biking for a while. And I never thought the day would come, but my dad smoked me. And this is when I knew it was serious. He said, son, let's go on a bike ride this morning. And It's going to be about a two-hour bike ride. I'm just like, Lord Jesus, I don't know if I've worked out for two hours. (laughs) And he brought two gallons of water, and he brought six bananas. Why do you need six bananas? I don't know. Ask Pastor Bobby. (laughs) So he brought all this stuff, and we went to the park. And at the very beginning, I was able to keep up with him because he purposely slowed down so that way he can help me find my pace. And then, then once he went at his normal speed, he overlapped me, not once... But two times, and in the time it took me to ride 20 miles, and I was pushing myself, he rode 30 miles. And my body was drained and exhausted, so much so that the next day I just had to take a sick day and relax at home for a little bit. And guess what, Pastor Bobby was going throughout his day. See, he passed me up, and he went so far compared to me. And the reason I share that story with you this morning is because I believe that we're living in a pivotal moment in history as a church where the world is increasingly becoming more hostile to the gospel. And if we don't pray and invest and believe in this next generation, we run the risk, hear me clearly, of leaving them behind and leaving them in the dust. But we should desire, every generation should desire for the next generation to be stronger, to be better, to be wiser, to go further than our generation ever could. And the way that we're going to see that take place is by leaving a legacy. The way we're going to safeguard that is by leaving a legacy of loving Jesus Christ. In the scripture we just read, we find the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy. And I love it because he says that he's carrying something on the inside of him. The faith that his grandmother and mother had, and now that he carries as well. See, in in that we find the heart of God. It's God's desire that not only you would live for Jesus, but that your children would live for Jesus, and your grandchildren will live for Jesus. I came to tell you this morning that we as a church are not building for this moment, and just for this year, and for this time, and one generation. We are building for the next 20 years, 50 years, 100 years. Why? Because we're called to be a multi-generational church. But in order for us to reach this next generation, I think it's important for us to understand this generation. So I did some research, and I want to show you a couple of things. Check out the screen real quick. What you're viewing right now is a percentage of the population by each generation taken from a book called Meet Generation Z, by, written by James Emery White, which is a great book. As I was studying and preparing for this message, I read the book. It's a great book, and this was taken from 2017. And here's the population percentage for each generation. And maybe you're not familiar and maybe you don't know and you've been curious of what generation you're part of. There's a great opportunity to find out. So first, on the far left, we'll start there. We see the baby boomer population, um, which is born between 1946 to 1963, which accounts for 23.6% of the population in the United States. Do we have any boomers in the house? You ever heard that, like, hey, boomer, calm down, boomer, right? I'm talking to Gen Z right now. Then we find um, Generation X. And if you're born between 1964 to 1979, um, you account for 15.4% of the population. Then we go go on to Millennials born between 1980 to 1994, and that accounts for 24.5% of the population. But here's the next one I want us to focus on specifically this morning, Generation Z. Somebody say Generation Z. Born between 1995 to 2010. I'm actually part of Generation Z, I was born in 1998. And Generation Z accounts for 25.9% of the population in the United States. More than a quarter. And experts have predicted that by this year, 2020, Generation Z will account for 40% of all consumers right now in the United States. So American culture isn't just being influenced by Generation Z they're actually constituting American culture. And here's what I want you to understand right now. Generation Z is living in a time unlike any previous generation that's ever existed. Right now, the world is changing at an ever-increasing pace. To put it in perspective, during the 1900s, there was more progress made in the fabric of life than the 1700s and 1800s combined. But guess what? During this century that we're living in, it's going even quicker. They say that human knowledge used to double every 10 to 15 years when it comes to information that humanity knows, science, history, whatever it may be. But now they're saying that information is doubling, the human knowledge is doubling every single 18 months. In, the 20th, in, in this century alone, we've seen... Cars drive themselves. Who would have ever thought we would see cars drive themselves? uh, Computers teach themselves and the creation of the smartphone. 2007, Steve Jobs and Apple unveiled the iPhone, and we have smartphones. And I don't know if that's the greatest thing that's ever happened or one of the worst things that's ever happened to us. I think sometimes we're in this little experiment because we don't really know the long-term effects of having all this information. We have, like, the whole world in our pocket. And they say that Generation Z absorbs an average of nine hours of media a day, of content a day, on their devices. Whether they're on their phone, whether they're on the computer, whether they're watching movies, they say, the stats tell us, nine hours a day. So this generation is inundated with information, and inundated with influences. And parents, I came to tell you right now, your child, your Generation Z, teenager, they know a lot more than what you think you, that, that you do. Like, they know a lot more than they think you do. Like, we're, they're surrounded constantly by information, especially if they have a phone or they have friends at school. Like There's, there's so much stuff taking place. in Generation Z, I want to speak to you. I'm trying to make contact with every person that's Generation Z this morning. Guard your heart and be careful of the content that you consume and who and what you allow to influence you because there's a lot of wrong and negative and bad influences and ideas and content out there, and you have to guard your heart. And your parents not always, is not always going to be there to help give you guidance and wisdom and counsel. You have to let God lead you as well. See, right now, right now, Generation Z is being overloaded with information. They are hearing, whether they go on Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, I don't even, they say Generation D doesn't really go on Facebook as much. Wherever they go, they are being overloaded with information, with different opinions, different perspectives, different religious belief systems, and different religions that are all claiming to be true. And here's what happens. When they hear about Jesus sometimes, they hear about faith because they're surrounded by so much information and so many influences. When they hear about Jesus and they hear about faith, sometimes faith looks like a confusing melting pot and they don't know what to think at times. That's why we have to make it clear. And secondly, they're being encouraged more and more to keep things private. To keep faith to themselves, to keep God to themselves. don't bring that to work. don't bring that to school. don't share that with a friend. That's for yourself. That's for something in private, not nothing for public. Keep that at home. They're being encouraged to keep it more privatized. And then, due to secularism, secularism we're seeing God getting pushed out more and more in entertainment, and media and music and movies, and society and education. We're seeing God get pushed out more and more, and this is what it's doing to it. Because of that, we're seeing the standard and the values and the moral compass in America drop so low, lower than it's ever been before. There are things that God's word says is wicked and evil and corrupt, and yet the world looks at it a lot of times and says, oh, that's normal. Oh, that's good. And what that's doing, it's causing there to be a negative effect in this generation. We need to understand this. Where right now, the Barna Study Group did a study, and they found out that for Generation Z, faith is one of the least important things in their life for a large percentage of them. Right now, for Generation Z, faith is at the margins, they say. But I have some good news for you. We still serve a God that is in the business of changing lives. And Generation Z has more potential than any, I feel God's presence, Generation Z has more potential than any other previous generation to be world changers and to spread the gospel. See, I know of some youth and some students that, some of, that are some of the most vocal and passionate youth that I know that I know are going to be world changers for Jesus. And they're going to flip this world upside down for Jesus. And here's how we're going to see it happen. While the world is pushing God out, leaders and parents have to allow God in. You have to allow God to lead your family. You have to lead by example. You have to lead by example. I got one point for you this Sunday morning. It's this. If you're taking notes, one point and it's this. The best way to parent your teenager is to allow God to lead your family. Let God, it's, that's, that's let God lead your family. We're all the parents at? Come on, I need y'all to make a collective sigh with me right now, breathing, because I just want you to understand that you're not by yourself when it comes to parenting your children. Even if you're a single mother or single father or only believing parent, guess what? God is with you and He loves your family and your children more than you ever could, and He wants to help you lead your family by his spirit and by his word see so you can get this if you can follow after god well then you can lead your family well if you can follow after god well you will lead your family well 1st corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 says this it says this is the apostle paul talking he says follow my example as i follow the example of Christ. So get this. If you're following after God, you're leading your family, and your family is following after you, what you're doing is you're pointing them to Jesus. See, one of the keys to being a successful parent is this, leading by example. I've had parents come up to me before and say, Caleb, how do I see my child get involved at church? How do I see them serve? How do I see them get involved? How do I see them become passionate for the Lord? Come on, Caleb, how do I do it? And now this is how I respond. Ask him a question. How passionate are you? How involved are you? Are you serving in any way, shape, form, or capacity? I understand we have busy schedules. We have lives, and I'm not enforcing, or enforcing anybody. I'm just encouraging you, even if it's once a month, twice a month, or whatever it may be, do what you can. Give God your best. I'm telling you right now, it makes a difference. I will be forever grateful for the times that my mom and dad took me to church. And my dad would get off of work. My mom, she would get off of work. And they would take me with them as they served at the church while I was growing up. You know, there were times when my dad would get off of work, and he would take me to the church with him. Or he would have his day off, and he'd take me with him, and he would go cut the grass on a riding lawnmower in the church, at the church. And he would sit me on his lap, and I would see him serve. And then my mom... She would take me to the church with her as she cleaned throughout the week. And she'd be scrubbing the floors. She'd be cleaning the toilets. She'd have some gospel music playing, some Fred Hammett. And she would be, I'm just like, how is this possible? Like, how could you be so happy cleaning toilets? And then I I helped her clean some windows and sweep the floors and do different things. And here's what was happening. My parents... We're both serving, they had great attitudes. I saw God bless them, I saw God take care of them, I saw them do it with smiles in their faces, with a skip in their step. And guess what? That influenced me because they let God lead our family, and now it's carried over into my teenage years and now into my adult years. <laughs> it's being real, sharing from my experiences, Dad. Remember the times you would get off of work and you made it a priority to spend time in prayer. I remember hearing you pray behind the door sometimes and praying in private. I would hear that and I would go in my room because I wanted to pray for a little bit. And then you would take me to the church with you and you would have a key and we'd be the only ones in there and we would walk around the sanctuary and you would hold my hand and you'd walk me around and you would look at me and you would say, son, this is what men of God do. Son, this is what men do. We pray, we humble ourselves, we seek after the presence. Of God, and in those moments, I would feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in such a, such a strong way. I feel the love of God, I'd feel the presence of God, and even at home, it carried over. In home, my parents will often pull our family together and say, Let's pray for a little bit sometimes 15 minutes, sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes 30, sometimes just really quick prayers. And we pray in the living room together. And and I'm telling you right now, we saw God answer prayers. We had revival in our home. God moved in a mighty way. Why? Why? Because my parents let God lead our family. And I promise you this. I wouldn't be standing on this platform or be a follower of Jesus if I didn't have an encounter with his Holy Spirit. I want to tell every person in here, every general Zer. here that you need to have an encounter with the Spirit of God that you need to have an encounter with the presence of God that God loves you that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled I'm just being serious right now because as I look back in my life and I see pivotal monumental moments and I see where I am today it's all because of moments where where my parents led by example and I followed after them and I sought the presence of God and I felt the Spirit of God on the inside on the outside he gave me a new heart because God is the only one who can change somebody's heart so important we have to lead by example and this is scriptural this is what proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 says train up a child in the way that he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it this is the promise from god's word y'all what example are you setting What are you allowing to lead? I think it's important for us to answer that question. And the same could be said. The opposite could be said if you're setting a bad example, I believe, sometimes. Not sometimes, mostly all the time. There was a time in middle school where I would often go over to a friend's house in my neighborhood. I won't forget, I'm going to be very transparent this morning. I would go over to his house, and this one time I went over to his house, we were hanging out in his room, and he got on his computer. And he went to a bad website, all these images and all these videos and stuff and he called me over and said, hey caleb come check this out dude check out what i just found and he would show me it and when i saw it true story i said hey man i i'm my parents i'm not gonna i'm not allowed to watch that i'm not gonna watch that i just felt bad whenever i saw i know we've had encounters and experiences like that before sometimes by choice and sometimes not by choice and i won't forget i should have just left but he told me before i left hey caleb i gotta show you something in my garage, I gotta show you something in this this box. So we went to his, his garage before I left and he pulled out this cardboard box and in this cardboard box he said, this is my dad's. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of issues of Playboy magazine that his dad had collected over the years and put in storage, easy and accessible for his kids to get access to. And I left his house that day feeling so dirty on the inside. I felt so bad for my friend, parents, Your words and your actions matter. What you do in private and what you do in public matters. Not just what you do here at church, but what you do at home whenever nobody else is around. It matters. It makes a difference. Whatever you do in moderation, your kids will do in access. See, the Old Testament says that the sins of a father are carried over into can be carried over into the third and fourth generation. But I have to tell you something. That doesn't have to be the case for you and you in your family. You can take a stand as a man of God, as a man of virtue, as a woman of valor. You can take a stand and you can say, Devil, you're not touching my children. Devil, I break the generational curses over my life. Devil, my kids are not gonna go through addiction. They're not gonna go through adultery. They're not gonna go through poverty. They're not gonna go through sickness. Today is the day where I take a stand. I say, devil, step back. That could be you. Come on, how many people want to take a stand and lead by example? Man, God, I feel this. I feel this burden right now. Sometimes we complicate Take a stand and lead by example. Let God lead your family. Somebody say, let God lead my family. And letting God lead your family also means that you do what you can to please God and live a holy life. Some people don't want to talk about holiness or being holy, being consistent, being set apart, setting themselves aside, having a standard in their life, not doing some things and doing some other things. They don't want to talk about it a lot of times because people get comfortable. But I came to tell you this generation is being exposed to things like never before. And we have to do what we can to protect our kids and instruct our kids and invest into our kids. And there are practical steps that you can take at home to protect your kids and train them and raise them up What right. And here's a couple things. I'm going to mention it to you if you want to write these things down. Here's some practical steps that you can take to train up your child. These things have worked for my family and I encourage you to try it out. Find out what works for you. But here's some things. Number one, scheduling a family time. You can write that down. Scheduling a family time, whether it's once a week, same night every week, or every other week, or whatever it may be, you need to make sure that you take time to spend time with your family. I I believe in that. Whether it's through board games, you're going to the park, um, you're eating together at the dinner table, whatever you have to do to spend time, because here's why. You have to be able to build relationships with your children and have a culture of family time. That's one of the values here at a church. I believe in that wholeheartedly, and also encourage them, hey, don't be on your phone so much. I think our phones take up a lot of our attention, a lot of our focus, and we need to take the time to interact and build relationships. relationship, because here's why. Rules without relationship will lead to rebellion. Rules without relationship will lead to rebellion. Sometimes parents don't understand why their kids are rebelling. I'm not saying this is always the case, but could it be maybe because you didn't take the time, you're enforcing rules and saying things, but you never took the time to be personal and be conversational and listen and talk back to them and communicate and build, be supportive and build a relationship with them. Here's the second thing you can do. Monitoring or restricting what your kids are doing online, on the internet, on their phones, on their tablets, on their device, whatever may be monitored, it. And here's here's a program I, I I've used, and I've heard of Covenant Eyes. <laughs> Covenant Eyes. I know of some church staff, full grown adults, who have the programs like that for all the staff. So that way they can be accountable for one another. You can get alerts on your phone if a certain website's gone to or if certain content is viewed. Covenant eyes, it makes a difference. I'm telling you right now, some people may hear this stuff and say, oh my gosh, that's so strict, that's so old school, whatever it may be. I'm telling you right now, you're going to be held accountable for how, you're going to have to give an account for how you raise your kids. Here's a third thing. Having consequences, because accountability is important. Here's a third thing having consequences for intentional disobedience. In other words, disciplining your children. And I'm not telling you exactly how to do that, but I want to take a look at scripture real quick. It says this, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. It's a quick story for me. My last spanking was whenever I was 14 years old. My Aunt Denise is watching us, and I was being so disrespectful to her. I deserved that spanking. I was on my phone, I was being disobedient, and and I said mean thanks to my Aunt Denise, and guess what my dad found out, and he came home? I promise you this, I never disobeyed authority like that ever again and was disrespectful like that again. Here's what you need to understand. Any type of discipline is called to be done out of love, not out of anger. It's not about punishing your kids. It's really about directing your children. Whether you're grounding them from their phone, putting a curfew, setting certain limits, just to do what you can to protect. I mean, what parent lets their kid run into the road and do what they want? If there's intentional disobedience, you do what you can to discipline your kids and instruct your kids and guide your kids. Here's another thing before you watch a movie or TV show, Take a look at a parent's guide. Take a look at the ratings and the reviews and do different things. We've had some awkward moments as a family, y'all. <laughs> it was movie night. I think it happened this past week on a preview we watched. And it was like, oh, man, that movie cover looks really cool. Let's click on that. Let's, the title looks really cool. Like, I've heard good things about this. And all of a sudden, you're sitting in the living room. And all of a sudden, something happens. People are, oh, I'm just saying. And you're just sitting there like, oh. Okay, so we had to cancel the movie, find another movie. It was a waste of money. That's this a little thing you can do. And here's, here's another one. And this one's going to be stronger. Make sure that church isn't optional. Make sure church is an optional. I don't feel like going to church. I'm tired. I stayed up last night too, too late playing Fortnite, Mom. I can't do... During my freshman year homecoming I got home really late and I was tired and I thought I had to pass in this church the next morning I told my dad dad whoo homecoming wore me out I got to stay home and sleep in he said "Mm -mm. if you're well enough to go to homecoming you're well enough to go to church and guess where my butt was right there in that seat Here's what I'm saying. Some things have to be disciplined before they can be desired. Some things have to be disciplined before they can be desired. I'm, I'm just trying to help out however I can. I'm not telling you exactly, I'm just telling you what me and my family have done over the years. And I'm sure you have great parental advice and guidance and things or whatever it may be. But I think that's so important, so very important. Parents, like I said, some people may have heard what I said, but like that's way too strict. That's too old school, whatever it may be. But you're going to have to give an account one day, I believe, to how you raised your kids. If you were a stumbling block, if you led by example. And I don't know about you. I want to, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. (laughs) And Generation Z, I want to talk to you specifically this morning, Try to make eye contact with every one of you. If your parents ask you to do something, and maybe you don't feel like doing it, and they're trying to do what's best, and they're trying, you've never been a parent before. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I've never been a parent fully. I'm just sharing some experiences of mine. I'm telling you, if they ask you to do something, and they're trying to lead your family, they're try, you need to be obedient and honor that. Do you know that honoring your mother and father is the first commandment in Scripture where there's a blessing and promise attached to it? See, sometimes I, in the past, I used to think that in order for me to have a powerful testimony and story that I would have to go out into the world, I would have to go out and party, go out and hang around, with, do all these different things, drugs, alcohol, just have fun, let loose, just you know, get it out of my system and do all these things. And then one day God would just bring me out of that. He'd bring me out in the darkness into his marvelous light and I would stand on the stage and be like, God brought me out. But I've learned that it's more powerful generation z it's more powerful to take a stand and set a standard and be obedient and live a life of purity and separate yourself from god because god can do more with your obedience than he can with your disobedience oh man i'm telling you right now lead your family don't provoke them to anger Just be be careful love your children pray for your children Haley, you can come up Anybody receiving something this morning so far? (laughs) Parents, the Holy Spirit wants to help you lead your family. You know, Jesus told the disciples that the Holy Spirit would teach them all things. One of the names for the Holy Spirit in Scripture is the helper. And here's a tip. If you don't know what to do and your kids are acting crazy and you're doing all these things... Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Ask God to guide you. There was a time during high school where I was in a dark and a low place. I was depressed. I was was allowing myself to be influenced by all the wrong influences, and I was fixing to make some very bad decisions. And one night, I was just confused. I felt lost. I just began to cry out to God and say, "God, I need your help. God, help me." I say those two words: "Help me, help me, help me." God, I'm, I'm sorry. God, help me. I'm, I'm about to do these things, God, but please just help me, God. Just, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to control. God, help me. A couple days passed. My dad had a dream, and in his dream, he heard me crying out for help, saying, "Help me." God gave him that dream. And immediately the Holy Spirit woke him up in the middle of the night and said, you need to go pray for Caleb right now. I was in bed and I was just laying down. He didn't know all these different things that were going on in my life. He lived a life of prayer. He was being obedient to God. He came and he woke me up. He said, "Caleb, hey, son, I have you on my heart. The Holy God, put you on my heart. I heard you crying out for help in my dream. And immediately I just broke down. And I was just I just let it loose. I God, you know, dad, I've been disobedient to God. I've been doing all these different things. I have this depression. I have this, these emotions. I have this anxiety. I don't know what to do with it, dad. And instead of him just getting after me and attacking me, so he shouldn't be like, he was comforting and he was loving like a father should be. And, and he prayed over me. And I won't forget in that moment, the presence of God came into that room so strong in a rich and tangible way. And God filled my heart with His love, and the depression got away, the anxiety got away, the fear got away, the insecurities, the low self esteem, the torment, all those things got away. And God put a fire on my heart, and He reminded me how much He loved me. And the next time I went to school, I was able to stand against some things and be, be a person that had a stand. I'm telling you right now, church, you stand to your feet this morning. Sorry, I get emotional sometimes. (laughs) The Holy Spirit wants to help you lead your family. The question is, are you leaning in? Are you tuning in? Because the Holy Spirit's talking. I'm telling you right now, God, God wants to see your children saved just as much as you want to see them saved. It's not God's will for anyone to perish, but that all may be saved, the Scripture says. And we have a will, we have a choice. I understand that. You may be coming from a different situation, but I just came to tell you the fact. God wants to help you lead your family. Anybody receive this word this Sunday morning? (laughs) You can raise your teenager. This past week, a couple weeks ago, I had a conversation with a teenager. And they've been going through different things at home. And as I was having a conversation with them, Three words I said to him. Part of what I said, because I said Jesus loves you. God has a plan for you. God has a plan. God has a purpose for your life. And would you believe, his eyes started tearing up. I'm sharing this right now. But his eye. When's the last time they ever spoke over your kids like that? I think a lot of times we are attacking. We're we're telling our kids everything they're doing wrong. And we, your words carry weight. And we say things like, you're going to be just like your mother. Oh, they're just like your father. Oh, man. Uh, and you, maybe you say things in private as well. Oh, man, there's no hope. There's no future. They're, they were just doing their own thing. They're being lazy or whatever. When's the last time you spoke God's word over your children and prayed over them and told them, hey, guess what? God loves you. God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a destiny. Guess what? Because it matters. What example are you setting? It matters. I want to pray over you with every head bowed and every every eye closed. Thank you, Jesus. There's no perfect parents. I'm not telling you to be perfect. Just follow after Jesus one day at a time, one minute at a time. You can handle it. You can handle God's yoke. It's not heavy. It's like he wants to help you carry the load. He wants to help you. God, I pray over every parent. Come on, if you receive this this morning, I want to pray a blessing over the parents right now in the building. Lord Jesus, I pray right now, God, that every insecurity, every tormenting thought, every negative attitude, those things would lift off right now in in the name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, for empowering every parent, Lord, where they would take a stand, Lord, where you would give them wisdom, you would give them guidance, you would give them instruction, and that you would lead them. God, today is the day where we decide to let your spirit lead us like never before. For God, 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 if we trust in you, lean out into our own understandings and all of our ways acknowledge you, your word says that you shall direct our paths. And we pray a blessing over this generation. We pray a blessing over Gen Z, God, and maybe the last letter of the alphabet, God, but it's not the end for the future of the church. It's only the beginning, God. You have a plan, you have a purpose, you have a destiny. And I pray over every person. Come on, I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Come on, generation Z, lift your hands, open your hearts. I pray over every person that's a teenager that's in middle school, that's in high school. I thank you, Lord, for a confidence and a boldness from the Holy Spirit as they go through their hallways through school as they go throughout their future they go through college they go through work Lord that they're going to be led by the spirit of the living God and that you're going to guide them you're going to lead them and they're going to live a life of holiness and consistency and they're going to be set apart for your purpose God it's in your name we pray and God's people said come on ah why am I so passionate if you only knew what God's done for me in my life if you only knew, God's so good. I wanna pray right now and give somebody an opportunity before I go to make Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior. If you've never taken that first step and jumpstart your relationship with God, repent of your sins, ask God for forgiveness, believe that Jesus is Lord, that he died and that he rose, I want you to repeat after me, every head bowed, every eye closed, and if you've prayed this prayer before, pray it like it's your first time. Repeat after me, say, Lord Jesus, I repent. For all of my sins, forgive me. I believe that you're Lord, Jesus. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose. And I forgive other people who've done me wrong. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, put your hands together for Jesus. Thank y'all so much for listening. God bless you guys. Have a great week.